0: Welcome to You Might Hate This Book, where each episode one of us will recommend a book to the other. A book that we love that we suspect our co-host might hate. Well, hate is a strong word. How about, mm, falls outside of their traditional scope of interest? Fine. That's fair. A book they would never have chosen to read otherwise. We'll read the assigned book, then come back together to discuss. Did you love it? Or did you hate it? So you agree we might hate it? (sighs) Yeah. You might hate it. I'm Stephanie. And I'm Hannah. And you might hate this book. Yes, how did your husband react to our last episode? He was displeased, I would say. (laughs) He tried to be diplomatic about it, sure. but he, he he took much more seriously the work of changing my mind. Yes, I realized when I was listening to last week's episode like we should have had one of our or both of our husbands like come defend it, come in or do a little sound bite because they both love those books more than. Either of us. <laughs> yeah. Kyle kept coming into the room and being like, okay, well, and he'd go off on something that I said, and he was like, okay, so now you must feel differently, right? And right. when I was like, no, I I pretty much stand by what I said, he'd just, like, walk off and off. <laughs> Which... I- I was just telling you off air, but I think it's worth mentioning on air. I, it stresses me out to come to this with the objective of making you like the books I like. Yeah. That's not the object. Like we're just here to talk about books with each other and I get to talk about the ones I really like. And it might hurt our friendship if we, uh, got actually hurt by us not liking the same things. I wonder if people think they don't have anything in common. How are they friends? We have a lot. We have a lot in common. It's just not this. But also a lot. But also it is this. Well, and it's also a lot different. I mean, you know, that's opposite attract. We have things to talk about. And I personally think conversations are more interesting when you do disagree. Right. As long as you can do it civilly, which is sorely lacking in many areas. Season two, we're going to be doing the same (laughs) thing, but without any civility. Oh, no. (laughs) We're going to do it. Like if it were a reality TV show, please no. <laughs> I'm not cut out for that. You would be so bad on a reality I'll just TV in show. A corner, like crying. Uh, uh, you would be really bad on a reality TV show. I'd probably just be boring. Really, <laughs> <laughs> I think that's what I mean. Because <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. you wouldn't. You wouldn't buy in to the no. drama and stuff. You'd mm-hmm. just be like, well, I bet she meant well. And the producers would be like, no, <laughs> say something uh. else. Or you'd just shrug and go, okay. And <laughs> Yep. Mm-hmm. You might be good to watch. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's a compliment or not. I mean, it is. I meant it as such. I I think I can certainly stir up drama. Do I have the constitution to be around other people not liking me or saying mean well, that's things? That's true. No. It's not good for your mental health. <laughs> but is it for anyone's, really? Sure. Um, I care what people think of me. That's so true. I don't think I should be a reality TV star. But I could see you being the one standing up and being like, wait, <laughs> let me put this to you straight. Here's how it went down. I would be the one to like come in and be like, all right, guys, we're solving this. Right. Uh, speaking of solving... We have lots of problems to solve in this week's book. There are lots of problems, and I wouldn't know how to solve a single one of them. Oh, me neither. I'm an English teacher <laughs> for a reason. Yes. Um, so this week's book is Project Hail Mary by Andy Weir, and I need to give you a synopsis of it. Ryland Grace wakes up in a spaceship with no memory of why he's there or who he is. Over time, he starts to get memories back. Um, and so he realizes that he's the sole survivor of a last ditch effort a Hail Mary if you will right um, to save planet earth the mission began when a scientist noticed an astronomical anomaly which they eventually discovered to be like a single or single celled organism extraterrestrial life form that was essentially eating the sun they dubbed these organisms astrophage which i really like because it means eat stars in greek hmm and then astrophage so with astrophage eating the sun the sun itself is dimming slowly which wouldn't sound like that big of a deal but apparently oh, our eco- apparently our ecosystem is rather fragile so they're like oh when it dims this much earth is going to end so we should probably figure that out with more research they find out that actually all of the nearby stars are dimming astrophage has gotten to all of them except one tau ceti mm-hmm which I had never heard of, but maybe someone science has. I didn't even give it a second thought at whether it was a real or made-up Now I don't know if it is or not. Somebody will. It's okay. <laughs> not important. Um, so a mission is put together to travel to this star, Tau Ceti, to find out why just this one star is not dimming due to astrophage. When Rylan begins to recover his memories, he attempts to finish this mission that he has been put on to... Uh, Figure out why Tau Ceti is immune to astrophage and see if that can be reproduced on Earth. Um, Little twist. He runs into an alien spaceship that may or may not be manned and may or may not um, be at Tau Ceti for the same reason. We're going to... I feel like... We we, have to spoil this book. Well, at least this part. It's not even midway through. Yeah. He meets an alien. Yeah. Yeah. That I'm going to talk about that. Yeah. There's no way... I won't spoil the ending, and I won't spoil a lot of the other plot beats, but that we have to talk about. Kind of like they never learn. If you really want to read this book, and I think that you should, and you want to get the full experience of it and, like, discovering it for the first time for yourself, go away for a little while. Um, Then come on back. But I don't think that it would ruin your reading experience. No, the alien shows up about a third of the way if that through the book so it's yeah. not it's not the biggest plot point point. and like you pro- you might have been able to get it's a space book yes m- maybe there will be an alien it all takes place in space there are flashbacks to earth but other than that everything takes place in space right um last thing about this book is that it was the goodreads choice award for best fiction in 2021 And it won the 2022 Audiobook of the Year. It's won a bunch of other awards, but I didn't recognize those awards. So I decided not to care about them. But that is what I need you guys to know about this book before Hannah tells us why she did or did not hate it. Okay. Do you want to predict? Okay. I'm going to admit my... Suspicion that you would hate this book is based largely on an information gap about you. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, you tell. <laughs> we have known each other for 15 years, years now. Wow. That is a that <laughs> yeah. is an insane amount of time. Like, it's a large... Almost half of our lives. I know. Like, <laughs> soon the pie chart of time right. that we have been together will be larger than the time that That's we exciting. have not. been. <laughs> yeah, so we've known each other for a long time, but True. there are some things that we just haven't covered. So what I knew was, this is not really your genre. Sci-fi? That, yeah. Mm-hmm. We've addressed it on the podcast. Neither one of us is super into sci-fi. No. That is the extent to which I based the fact <laughs> that you would not like this. I was like, it's not her genre. Done. And then I was like, but it's not my genre either. And I freaking loved this book because it was, it was, it stood out in its genre. Right. And it was really good. And then I was like, is she gonna like it? Did I mess it up? <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so there are two things you should know about me. Tell me. There are two things Hannah hates <laughs> in the world of books and movies. And those two things are things set in space oh, no! <laughs> and survival stories. You gave this a one. <laughs> I, I did not, but I was like, I don't know. I was telling Brayden, I don't know if she knows this about no, me. No, I did like, not. Like, ever since reading My Side of the Mountain in fourth grade, I hate survival stories. I love survival oh, stories. Oh, they're just so tedious to me. I don't know. And then <laughs> space has never appealed to me ever. I don't know. Well, I nailed it then. The point was... You I sure know, did. I didn't know either of those things. <laughs> I didn't think you did. So I was really excited to tell you this. Because everyone else, and by everyone else, I mean my husband... Right. And my friend from Canada. Okay, sure. <laughs> um They Kyle Hey Brian. Okay. <laughs> we're like, well, she's gonna like it. Like, it's good. Like, she's probably gonna like it. Why did you pick this one? I was like, I don't know, I just thought she doesn't like science fiction so that she would not like it. Well and they're like, she's gonna like it. These are things I do not like. Now I will say I didn't know anything about this book going into it. I knew about The Martian. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Brandon read The Martian. He was like, you've got to read it. I'm like, it's a survival story in space. No no way. Same author, by the way. Yes. Not interested. So I assumed this would be similar. It is, but there's more to it than simple survival. Mm -hmm. That was nice to discover. But I gave it a generous three stars. A generous (laughs) I really wanted to give it 2.5, but I bumped it up to three. Well, I was right, and Kyle and Brian were wrong. You did not like it. I, it's, it's not my thing. It was so boring. What? It was so boring. I, I wanted to give it 2.5, just because in, in light of our pancakes, like, it was fine. There are these pancakes, they're here, but they're so boring, I was almost looking for a hair, like, (laughs) something. Um... I think I would have enjoyed a plot summary of this book as much as reading the whole thing. This is fascinating to I, me. It was so tedious. If I never hear the words astrophage or taomiba again, taomiba. I will be a happy person. <laughs> oh, my goodness. That's that's astounding to me because I found this book so not boring. Okay. Well, so I would love to hear why you don't think it's boring after I tell you why I was bored. <laughs> Great. Okay. <laughs> tell me. Um. So, it started out fine. Like, I was going to go into it like, okay, you know, fresh start. Like, chapters one through four, there's 30 chapters, by the way. It's a 16-hour listen on audio. I, I purchased the audio book. I actually oh, purchased no, it. Oh, no, you used your it's own okay. credit. Brandon wants to listen to it, and it did win the audio award last year. Yeah. So, I was like, I know it's done well, and it was. And there's some special things about the audio that are be yes different. when the alien the alien's voice um he speaks in chords yes so the audiobook i don't even know how it's demonstrated in the physical book i don't either did you not read the physical book nope okay well the audiobook was very well done the yeah. narrator it was only one narrator uh he, i think he captured the voice very well so there was that one through four chapters i was chugging along just fine There was a mystery to it because he wakes up in space on this ship and doesn't remember why he's there. So, like, the first four chapters, you're getting pieces, and I like mystery. Yeah, you're finding out that information the same time he is. So I was excited about that, but once I realized by the end of chapter four that that was all pretty much revealed, all the things you outlined in the synopsis, I was like, okay... I got 26 more chapters. (laughs) Is it all just going to be him trying to find a solution to astrophage? If so, I'm going to be very bored. (laughs) The answer is yes. It Uh, is basically about him. It is. They, you know, he meets this alien around chapter 10. So that added a new wrinkle that was interesting. But other than that, man, I started checking out by chapter five. There's just so much science jargon. And I just, I just checked out. I listened to most of this on one half or two speed.
1: Two, yes, I was
0: I was chugging through it. And at first, so it's told from first person perspective. Mm -hmm. Rylan Grace, see what you did there, Andy Weir. Hail Mary, full of grace. Um, Uh, I didn't catch that. Oh yeah, go you. (laughs) You gotta have Catholic relatives. Hail Mary, full of grace. Oh yeah. Anyway, his voice was fine at the beginning. He is a science teacher. Uh, middle school science teacher i'm a teacher like i, I was liked like, his teacher I was like, voice oh that's cute uh so he says things like gee willikers and gosh yeah. darn it and <laughs> that was cute at first and he explains a lot of things as if he is a middle school science teacher which again at first was fine a little bit sassy but it got really old after a while <laughs> i got real tired of his voice after you know a few chapters in, and it doesn't really change. It's, no, and it's, it's that voice. It's just him. Basically, my problem with this book is it's just too much. It was too much of him, this one-note voice. It was too much, I'm going to call it science-splaining. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I, I just, like, the way he talks, It talk about breaking the show-don't-tell rule. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> man, and I know it's science fiction, and look, I'm not a science person, but, I mean... I wrote my own version of how his voice sounds um, as I was typing up my notes for this. I'm so excited to hear it. I'm making a capsule of Xenonite. Why am I making a capsule out of Xenonite? Because the atmosphere around Planet X exerts 8.569 some unit of force, and Xenonite can withstand up to 32.635 more units of force, so it can withstand the atmosphere where I want the capsule to be. Neat, huh? Great stuff, that Xenonite. <laughs> that says exactly like it. That's pretty much... It's always... I'm doing this thing why am i doing this thing i'll tell you with a bunch of numbers ain't that cool <laughs> yeah that's exactly how it sounds And like i said the first few chapters i was like this is fun after a while i was like okay <laughs> you gonna always talk to me like that <laughs> it, it got tiresome <laughs> and and then like i said all the numbers and all the science i just glossed over it i i'm sure if you're into that it was probably pretty cool which is why I went ahead and gave it a three-star. Like, it's not a book I wouldn't recommend to somebody if this is what they're into. Yeah, if you love this, you might right. like this book. But, oh, uh, not me. And yet, despite all that science-splaining, despite all those numbers and all that technical jargon, which I think was there to make it seem believable, there were some moments that stuck out to me as really not believable. <laughs> and I, it just created this tension that I was like, mm, it was a record scratch. Moment. I want to... Do you remember specifically any ones that I wrote down? Two that aren't too spoilery. Okay. Spoilery. Uh, one was when he's still on Earth. It's a flashback, and he's testing astrophage for the first time. We're talking about microscopic organisms, right? Mm-hmm. He loses them in sure. the lab, and then finds them again. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't. I don't know a lot about science, but that seemed beyond the realm of credibility <laughs> to me. That he found three microscopic organisms that he lost in a lab <laughs> he found them using infrared not just like with his eyes yes there was a process but i was still like mm, that's weird <laughs> the second one because you can't find your phone so this is true you're like i'm very what forgetful. would i do with microscopic? oh that i realized way early on like i would just straight up die <laughs> in this situation <laughs> so that was a minor one the bigger one was his interactions with the alien that, so let's that start. I, yeah. Rocky is the the name he gives this alien. They meet and within hours overcome a language barrier of monumental proportions. Like you said, he speaks in chords, like yeah. sounds. Not even yeah. I don't know. I love the movie Arrival. I think that does justice to exactly how nuanced. Uh, yes. <sighs> yeah. Um That was a thing too where I was like. I just don't know. There's a process that he explains. He does explain the process. And there's some software involved. He's not doing this with his own brain. Sure. But still, I I was like, you figured out really quickly how to have just immediate back and forth conversations with this alien. It was beyond the realm of... Yeah. Like, in a couple of days, they're just talking like you and me are talking. And I'm like, how? (laughs) Amaze, (laughs) amaze, amaze. (laughs) Um, it's not quite how we talk, but yeah, yeah very very similar so that was I think my overall problem with this book is that ultimately it just felt mismatched. I felt like Weir wanted me to believe this like scenario he's brought up because of all the science he boringly inserted into it um <laughs> but then glossed over some big plot points like the language barrier, like the fact that Rocky, this alien that Grace meets, can MacGyver his way through any problem with his special epoxy Xenonite and his insane engineering brain. It's like, yes, he just like hands you a deus ex machina like a third of the way through the book. So <laughs> any problem they encounter, he's like, "Hum, Rocky, do you have a solution? Yes, let's do this. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, And he has this material Xenonite that just can withstand anything, Anything. can fix anything, and it just... What is Captain America's shield made out of? Oh, (laughs) I don't know. Something that Stark Industries created? No, it's from... (laughs) Or is it from a planet? I don't know. (laughs) It's from a planet, and it's uh, Wakanda. Oh, gosh, it's gonna drive me crazy if I can't think of this. I only just recently watched all the Marvel movies, so. Yeah. I'm not gonna help you there. Kyle's gonna be so disappointed if I It'll can't come think to of you. this. It'll come to you later. I have faith. It'll come to you later. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so I just, I wasn't really sure what he was doing. Like, Liberating him! <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> told you it would come to you it did immediately (laughs) so vibranium vibranium yeah xenonite is like vibranium but also it comes in liquid form and you can make anything out of it yeah so yeah (laughs) so i just even the ending of this book was like weirdly cutesy yeah for an end of the world like save the earth It's very heartwarming yeah in this weird way like you've got all this science explained but then you got these weird things that are glossed over in the plot and then the whole emotional psychological dimension of this character like he has a couple minor breakdowns but really like nothing is explored there like what is going on with him i would be fully cracked i <laughs> anyway i just didn't know like is this supposed to be a ya sci-fi is it supposed to be serious i just wasn't sure what was going on mm-hmm at the end of the day. Because sometimes it would feel like YA to me. And again, not that that's a put-down. Because of his teacher voice a little bit? His teacher voice and the way he'd just, like, kind of gloss over some things. Yeah. Conveniently. The cutesy ending. Yeah. I thought it was cutesy. I don't know. Um, <laughs> um, sorry they had feelings. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well. Hannah's like, anything with no, the feeling is
0: cutesy. <laughs> that's not why it was cutesy. But, yeah, it just... It's not the book I've hated the most that you've given me, but I think it was the hardest one for me to get through. It was 16 hours of listening. Yeah, which for me, the book just flew by. I, like, and maybe, you know, my children were sick all last week and I was trying to get through it. So yeah, this was the first book I finished today, like the day we, wow. are record- I finished it this morning. Wow. <laughs> so usually I finish it with a good amount of time before, at least 24 hours, but not this one. Um, Also, since you brought up, this is kind of a side note about Grace being a science teacher. Mm -hmm. I have mixed feelings about that, too. Okay. At first, I was like, oh, cool. Teacher. Yay. (laughs) I'm a teacher. But then, like, as it kept going and you find out more about his backstory, there is a trope that I hate, and it's... Oh, my other plans didn't pan out, so I became a teacher. Yeah, which is like literally exactly what happened. Yeah, yeah. he wasn't accepted by the scientific community because of a paper he wrote. So he's like, "Mama, go be a science teacher." I'm like, oh, "Okay, I don't love that." Stereoty- Isn't that what happened to you? Didn't you fail at your plan? Oh yeah, a and, and so- I just wanted summers off because this job is so easy, right? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So that was weird. And as another character points out to him at one point in the book, she says to him like. You are a coward. You just want to go back to your classroom where you can be the cool teacher and have all these middle schoolers worship you. And I was like, ooh. <laughs> that was I feel like I've met some teachers like that, you know? Aww, I was like, ooh. Yeah. So his character being a teacher, I have mixed feelings about because of that too. Yeah. So I don't know. I wonder why he was made a teacher. I don't feel like Andy Weir knows what teachers are like <laughs> this felt very which not a lot of the book takes place in a classroom it's very limited but as a teacher my sister and i have talked about this we always get annoyed when we see teachers on a tv show because they're nothing yeah nothing like real like jessica day forget it <laughs> you, you are not a good teacher did you ever watch the movie easy a with uh, emma stone a long time ago i always I, think of the teacher from that i always think of the teacher from harriet the spy oh yeah because I always remember what Harriet says about her like someday she'll go on a psycho killing spree and all her neighbors will say she was nice and polite (laughs) (laughs) I used to love Harriet (laughs) that's me too that's really I just thought it was boring like I said the plot itself like had some interesting beats but I could have read a lengthy plot summary and been fine I did the thing I liked the most about it was Rocky Okay. the alien. Yeah, he was a lot of fun. He was very likable, very likable, very heartwarming. Don't know how believable he is, uh, but I I liked him. I'm also reading Slaughterhouse Five right now. Mm. I don't know if you've read that, but Mm. it has aliens in it as well that are like green plunger shaped things with hands on the top of their head. Oh, Rocky was much more palatable. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, I don't know why all of a sudden I've got a bunch of books with aliens in them. I liked Rocky. He did, however, highlight some of Grace's awkwardness, I think. Mm -hmm. Because there's, again, the emotional dimension of Grace, not explored. He goes on this suicide mission into space, apparently has no family that is ever mentioned. Yeah. No friends, no colleagues he's close to. But he's like, my best friend is an alien now. (laughs) And Rocky, uh, he's very likable, but also it just highlighted Grace's weirdness and awkwardness. Yeah. Yeah. So Rocky even, like, is like, I do have a family. I have a wife, right? Yes, Adrian, yes. Yeah, like, really no friends? That's hitting me, too. Like, you don't have a single person back on Earth. There's, like, one colleague he has a dinner with and a flashback. I don't even remember her name. like That's it. But did you think that he actually... Do you think that he is a coward or not? Well, I don't want to... Spoil um, the book, but... Um, you don't have to answer the question if you don't want to. I would say... Oh, I don't know. That's an interesting question. Hmm. Did you ask it because you also have an answer? Let's do that thing. What's it called? Havruta. Havruta. Because if you ask the question, you also have to give the answer, right? Yes. Um. My answer is that inherently, yes, he is a coward. Mm-hmm. His love for this one creature that he I guess has attachment to in the entire universe perhaps um allows him to overcome that about himself? That's a good answer, I think, in light of the ending of the book. Uh Uh-huh. I can get on board with that. Cool. I think you can have a character progression. I think definitely starts out as a coward. Yeah. We see some we see some character development in him. Yeah. Throughout the book. Um and that's something that someone else who read it mentioned to me is like, you he comes off as really brave in the beginning because he's but he's also not remembering exactly the circumstances of how he ended up on this mission yeah and that's the thing is like he's just doing all this save the world space stuff for a long time and you're like wow i could never and he's very he just comes off as very brave and you kind of get tricked into thinking he's the hero and then some more information about him comes out and you're like is he the hero and then you're doubting that. And then he has heroic actions. And then he has selfish actions. And then... Yes, he has a he has an arc. Yeah. Which is nice. So he's not just a straight-up no. hero. No. But he's also not an anti-hero yeah. either. Yeah. Can we also talk about the one scene earlier in the book when, like... He, so he keeps... Whenever he's thinking, like, quote, brave thoughts, it's like, I'm doing this for the kids. Yeah, know? for his kids. For his students, which I don't think he ever names any of them. It's just the kids. But he's like up teaching class and then realizes like, oh, they're going to experience the apocalypse. I got to go save the world and literally leaves in the middle of class, like <laughs> leaves school and doesn't come back. Do you know what 12 year olds do to each other when you leave the room? I don't think I want to. I taught sixth grade for two years. Um, So I read this book a while ago and... Brian read it really recently, and he was saying last night, I'm excited for next week's episode because I've recently read this book right. because it's going to be on the podcast. And he was telling me his opinions about it, and I was like, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> it's been too long Because <laughs> it's so long. <laughs> and so I was like, I have to go and, like, figure out what this book is about again. And so I read several like summaries and then I started the audiobook over again last night at eight o'clock and I'm many many hours into it um so did you get to that part I just described yeah okay yeah um the parts at the beginning where he's trying to remember who he is he is like This is what I do know. I don't know my name, but I do know this stuff. And he refers to like the kids and he goes like, do I have children? Well, no, I, I, my house seems like I don't have a wife or kids or whatever. And it was like, okay, so I'm a single man. I'm in my thirties. I live alone. I like kids. I don't like where this is going. (laughs) That was funny. That was funny. He, he has some witticisms that I appreciated. I'd never heard the term back of the napkin math. Yes, which he uses many times. I was going to say, by the eighth time, I was tired of it. Yeah, I couldn't... As a writer, I couldn't fi- figure out how I felt about that because you want your character to have a voice. And he does. And especially characters that n- need to be really voicey, people do have things that they oversay. Yes. I have things that I use too often and because when I'm just talking with my friends, I'm not censoring how often I use a phrase. And that's true, people will do that. He might be a real guy who overuses the phrase back of the napkin math, or Andy Weir might be. And that's that's where I'm like, oh, is it good voice that's like really down to earth and human, or is it neglectful writing? I think he develops a clear voice for Grace. So in that respect, I think technically he does a good job as an author. I yeah. think again, it's just too much, and I think that's one of the pitfalls of choosing to write a book in first person narration. Mm-hmm. You are stuck. You are stuck in this voice, and so if this character isn't somebody's cup of tea, then yeah, they're going to get tired of it unless it's a fairly short novel. Yeah. Well, and some of the other times when I notice this in a book, it's. It's in the author's voice. Like, it's a, in a description. It's not mm-hmm. someone saying something. So, yeah. I, I think that this particular instance was a choice on Andy Weir's part to, este- like, even further establish Rylan's so. voice. Other times when it bo- bothers me, I'm like, you use that phrase too much. Your editor needs to start highlighting it. Right. <laughs> Right. One was um, her molars clacked together, like when she's anxious or nervous or something. And an author used this like three or four times in a romance novel. And I was like, no one has ever said that. Nope. <laughs> no one thinks like that. No more molars. I plat- don't even know what that would feel like. And I started like walking around being like, your molar, like go see a dentist, you. <laughs> I was like, yes. you should not have used this once, but you definitely should not have used it four times. Well, and it's like that the rule with jokes and like once is funny, you know, even a callback a second time might be good. But after it's like my four year old, if he knows we think something's funny, he just keeps saying it ad nauseum. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, okay. Well, I guess I get to talk about why I like this book. Yes, We've already go gotten into some of it. I forget exactly when I read it, but it was pretty soon after it came out, so... Which was 21? I think so. I think I probably read it, like, early, mid-2021. And I listened to the audiobook, like I said. I am also not a science person. Right. I am a graphic designer, and I (laughs) make major life choices based on my horoscope, and I... (laughs) cry semi-regularly, right. I'm about as far from math and science as you can get. So if you can make me interested in science, that's a very special thing. Well, good point. And for me, it was maybe this is why the, the character was a teacher instead of any of the other millions of random things he could have been. The way it was explained was understandable enough. I really hate being confused. I really, right. I really hate when I don't understand. And so... Half the time my husband starts talking about science, I'm like, because I right. I don't get it. I don't know what you're saying. <laughs> um, I understood well enough what was happening about things that I have literally no idea about that I thought it was interesting. It does get repetitive. I mean, mm. how many times can we say astrophage and tau amoeba right. and back of the napkin math? And there's lots and lots of math, lots and lots of math. It does get a little tedious, but I was so interested in the problem and the stakes that I I was still there for it, yeah, I guess. That makes sense. And it wasn't confusing. You're right. Yeah. Um, Which is, how do you explain this kind of problem and this kind of solution in a way where people like me can understand it? I think that's... See, it felt to me... Like, he was being self-indulgent because he likes math and science. So he's mm. like, I'm going to put all these extra factoids about these things and how they yeah. work in here. As somebody who doesn't like science, I was like, that's boring to me. But then it also made me wonder if it's somebody who is really into that, are they going to buy it? Like, yeah. are they going to think it's believable? That's why I just wasn't sure, like. I would be interested to talk to, like an astrophysicist or something or just a science teacher. yeah I, and have them be like yeah none of this is real like Casey when I watch Grey's Anatomy yes <laughs> I'm like our friend who's a doctor come tell me how none of this is real and <laughs> <laughs> like yes. how surgeons are doing nurse things my son wanted to know why P was yellow and I told him to ask Aunt Casey and he did And she had an answer. And she had an answer. I forget the answer because there was a big word in it that I no longer remember. Uh, Billy Rubin. Yep. Oh. In case you were wondering. Yep. Because it has Billy Rubin in it. So now my four-year-old knows why his pee is yellow. (laughs) I'm so happy for Uh, him. Me too. I would be interested to know someone who's part of this field if they're like, yeah, he got it. Or if they're like, okay, this is like Grey's Anatomy. Right. For me, and like Grey's Anatomy, I was like, that checks out. (laughs) Which... Like with Grey's Anatomy, is there enough in that show for even somebody who's a doctor that doesn't believe it all to enjoy the show? Yeah, there's relationship yeah. drama in this book. Do you it's think it's that- literally all that that's yeah. happening? <laughs> right, it's the only thing that's happening, except for you know becoming friends with an alien, which but, I enjoyed. Yeah, that's true. I know that Casey just kind of ignores the medical stuff. (laughs) It's like, that is not how you do CPR. You could have just done a class and they could have known how to do it. Also, talking about a piece of media that's too much. (laughs) Do not get me started. I will watch it until it (laughs) (laughs) it can be on its last hobbling leg, and I will still be there. I appreciate your loyalty (laughs) as your friend. If not, I've wasted so many years (laughs) of my life. You've already invested. Here we go. More about whether or not I'm willing. It's stubbornness. Sure, that makes sense. Um, so we've talked about how it's all in this one character, Mm -hmm. and it isn't first person, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay which we've talked about before. Not a typical writing style. People prefer third person. I dabble with first person and people find it off-putting. Okay. (laughs) I mean, just like, it's harder to do. Really? I think so. For me, switching to third, I was like, focus. (laughs) It took so much effort. Once I got used to it, it was better. And I do agree, now that I've written in third person, I agree, it's the better way to go. But even in my first-person books, I switched perspectives. Mm-hmm. You just it, it was not just one person. You had three perspectives, right? Yeah. yeah. So you get one person whose head you get to be in, and you are actually in their head because it's first-person. And it is kind of a long book. So you have to really like this character. Like, yes. I don't think that books have to have likable characters to have a good book, but this book had to have a character that you liked, because that's all there is to it. And he's in space by yeah. himself. I mean, really, the choice to be first person is yeah. almost moot, because yeah. there's nobody there. <laughs> yeah. Other books, you can have a lovable villain or a, like, hero who you're not quite even rooting for, or just unlikable characters. Not here. The character had to be likable, and I found him likable. You did not find him likable, which would make the book incredibly long. I did it first. Yeah. It just, yeah, it was like, you know, those friends where you're like, you're fun to hang out with for a <laughs> night, but not all week. Yeah. <laughs> you do have to go home now. Right, yeah. <laughs> um, so you bring them out at parties. Yeah. <laughs> I liked that he, you were rooting for him. Like, yes, like you wanted him to succeed, but he wasn't perfect. He right. does he does selfish things. He's afraid, which like I'm, you know, fast to say like, uh, oh, he's a coward. I would not want to be in the spaceship fixing the problem. I would rather be in the classroom, and I don't even like teaching. I would also be. Do I have to go? Can't someone else? That was pretty real. Also, I don't think this is a spoiler. It's chapter one. He wakes up and there are two dead people in there with him. Yep. Yep. Like, he, there was supposed to be a, like three people working this problem out, but they had to be put into like medical comas and the other two, something happened and they didn't make it. So he wakes up and he is all the way alone. Yep. And I would be afraid. I would be probably not have wanted to go in the I definitely would not have wanted to go in the first place so I liked that he was selfish enough that he was real but not so selfish that you hated him and you were like uh yeah that's a good assessment yeah at the beginning which is what I re-listened to in the last 12 hours so maybe this this does get tiresome later on I haven't listened to the rest of it I honestly thought to myself I was like I'll just listen to this entire book before the next (laughs) But then I had it it's sixteen hours. I was listening to it on uh one point seven five, I think. Oh okay. Because I've already read it, right. so I wasn't as worried about missing details. But then I had a ton to do at work. Anyway, that is not the point. Um, I really liked the line, I know Liberia uses imperial units, but I don't know my own name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was funny when he's trying to piece together what yeah. he Yeah. And holy moly, is that my go-to expression of surprise? It's okay, I guess. I would have expected something a little less 1950s. Am I What kind of weirdo am I? <laughs> You're a teacher. Yeah. That's what you are. <laughs> I just like, it's okay, I guess. But like let's go back to the drawing board. Can we think of something else? I think that was why I really enjoyed like the first four chapters. He still... Fig- but Yeah, but once that- he figures it out. Yeah, him figuring himself out was interesting to watch, but once you have him figured out, just sitting in his head. Last note on that point is... Andy Weir was interviewed for Penguin Random House, and we can link to it in the show notes. But this is what he says about this character. The most important thing in any book, especially a book that has one single central character, is the reader has to identify and care about and root for that character. There's no way around it. If you don't like the character, you're going to put the book down. If you don't at least empathize with the character, you're also going to put the book down. And if you don't identify with the character, then you might read a book and you might enjoy, but you don't really have that connection you don't feel like you're imagining yourself in that situation. You're just watching someone else do it. Like, I love watching James Bond movies, you know? I like watching some classy, stylish British secret agent kicking ass and seducing all the beautiful women in the world. But I don't identify with that. I cannot kick ass. I do not get all the ladies throwing themselves at my feet. So I don't identify with James Bond. I don't feel like I'm like him in any way. Whereas some hapless guy who's in over his head and has no idea what he's doing, I think everybody can identify with that. Yeah. And so I, I liked that of like, sometimes you do want a James Bond character. This book would have been really off-putting with that kind of character. Yes. I, I yeah. mean, the James Bond movies aren't from, yeah, yeah. you got to have those other characters. So I I think about writers' choices yeah. because of, you know, who I am. And I like hearing, this is what you thought about in order to make that choice. And I think it was the right choice. I'm curious, since we're talking about the character, have you read The Martian? I have. I liked it. Okay, what do you think about when I was looking for one-star Goodreads reviews? There was a lot of people that were like, "Oh, this is just reheated Watney." Yeah, Um, I have no frame of reference. I didn't read it. I so he actually addressed that in in this same interview, and I read it last night. Oh, cool. Um, Let me see if I can remember what it was because I didn't write that down. But it was like, "Earth is fine in The Martian." he's stranded the only reason he needs to get saved is for himself and Ah. he he has lots of people back on earth trying to help him get saved but like the only real danger is i will die if i don't less at stake yeah and he's trying to solve more basic problems i don't have enough food because i wasn't supposed to be here it's more of a survival i don't have enough equipment because this was only supposed to last 30 days and so the kinds of problems he's solving are very different. Like he mm-hmm. plants rows and rows of potatoes so that he can live in like. I rations think I would like his... this book less. Yeah. <laughs> so and in this one, he's fi- he's quote unquote fine, and Earth is dying. And so he's not. He has plenty of food. He has plenty of equipment. All that stuff is fine. The problems he's solving are very different kinds of problems, mm-hmm. and the stakes are very different. So he would argue that it's a different kind of book i mean it's the same kind of book but that's why you coded well, the same author it's I, a different story yeah whether or not i don't the think voice it, is different he says back of the napkin math too i remember, oh, really? I remember that distinctly well maybe it's a phrase like a, I, i've never heard it but I, I mean fine but one doesn't have to use it that much well sure um i do think that they had similar voices and that might be it he might it might but be I mean, a little bit how at the end of the day I read Murakami because I like his writing. Yeah. Not just his story. So I liked it. I don't see that as an inherent problem. I just wondered what your take on it was. Yeah. I liked it not quite just as much, but pretty much. And like, if you didn't like this one, you're not going to like that one. But, you know. But if you liked the other one, you yeah. might like this one. And I think they're right. different enough. Like, the problems are different enough and the solution, I, The, the it, type it of plot. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. authors write about the things that they like and they know. So, like, yep. if you go to the same author a lot of times, you're gonna get Gillian Flynn has three books, and they are are about writers who used to live in New York who now live in Missouri. She is a writer who was from Missouri and moved to New York and then moved back to Missouri. Like, yeah. you write what you know. If you don't want to read about a writer who lived in New York and moved to Missouri, don't pick up Gillian Flynn. I, I agree. I... I don't think that's, yeah, like I said, an inherent problem. That's why you have your favorite authors that you go to. I understand it bothers some people. To me, I'm just like, well, then read someone else. Exactly. I, Having lived through a real-life pandemic Ugh. and a plethora of global crises that yeah. could use universal support, I really appreciated the problem-solving aspect of this. They put one woman in charge, and they yep. were like, you have access to any of the world's resources. Just text us, and China will get you a robot. and Or we'll let you pave the Sahara Desert. Yeah, like... Whatever you need to do. We did not have community votes on it. There was not a town meeting about whether or not people thought it was real or people thought that it was God's justice on us for whatever. They were just like, we're going to need to put one very serious person in charge of this. Here, lady, it's in your hands. And I I don't know how realistic that is. It probably... Well, from experience, not very. I mean, we chose... (laughs) We don't feel like it's ethical to put one person in charge and not let other people decide for themselves. In this situation, someone decided, I don't care. <laughs> yep. And there was a part of me that was just really satisfied with that. I agree. I agree. I I can't say that if I were living through this, I wouldn't be like, we don't get a say? It's our Earth, too. You're going to put one person in charge? Maybe I would be very human about it. But while reading it, I was like, yes. Dr. Strat, please just fix it. Yep. And when we're all still alive... How about let's defer to the experts? Like, she doesn't fix the problem on herself. Her yeah. job is putting all the people in the room that can fix the problem. Yeah. Her job is, I found a scientist who's in a classroom and he knows stuff about stuff. I'm going to go get him and he's going to get on a military plane and he has no choice. He has to get on the plane. Come with us. Yeah. But I've also found, you know, this Russian scientist that can build these beetles. And I found this Chinese scientist that can build a life support system and she yeah. puts them all together. Yeah, I really I just really liked that. I, I, I agree. I found some peace in that. The people on Twitter do not get an opinion in this one. And I just <laughs> nope. I just like that. The um, people in the room barely get an opinion. <laughs> True. I liked Rocky. I I, I I liked the concept of this kind of alien. It was wild. Yeah, because when you're writing an alien, it's like, well, what do they look like? How do they mm-hmm. communicate? What are their customs? You can pick at random, but I really prefer that he thought about this is why their bodies are built this way, because their planet is like this. And, and this- they are in no way humanoid. Like, yeah. They are not walking around with a head, two arms and two legs. Like- yeah, and his explanation for how... Two different planets so far away could both have life at this moment in time. I forget the explanation. It was pretty... There's an evolutionary explanation. It's basic enough I could follow. Yeah, and I just appreciated the level of thought instead of like, here's an alien and it has six heads because I thought that would look cool. But like... No, there's reasons why Rocky's physiology is the way that it is because of the atmosphere on his planet. Yeah. The audio was really cool listening to the how Rocky talks. Yes. How likely is it they would be communicating really effectively in one day? Pretty mm-hmm. unlikely. I, I never would have thought of this language. Like, I, yes. I would have gone down a different road. The fact that he came up with this, I really thought that was cool. Yeah, it was a cool concept. I've and watched a lot of X-Files. I've not seen an alien concept like this one. Yeah. So I just liked that it was new. And I really... I liked getting to know these customs like one of the customs is mm -hmm. um you need to watch other people while they sleep yes and you do not watch while other people eat oh no and these are things that are rocky like needs to have done i we take for granted what is normal like there are things that i tend to think of as like that's cultural but this this is just standard Mm -hmm. this is just a thing that everyone does But even down to the most basic things, like, I would think that covering your breasts is standard. How much, what you wear, what kind of shirt, that can be cultural, but, like, covering up your breasts is standard. Well, it's not. There are places on Earth where people don't do that. So, like, even the things that we, like, completely take for granted as this is normal are actually not. So watch me while I sleep. Don't watch me while I eat. This is how. Mm -hmm. I was just like, wow. Wow my world is really small. (laughs) Yeah, I thought the sleep thing was interesting because it, I mean, he explains why because Iridians, this alien race, like literally lose consciousness when they sleep. Yeah. Uh, They can't wake themselves up till they're done with their cycle. So it's like a protection thing. But also, even when we sleep, we're at our most vulnerable. Yeah. And we always have this trope of like, oh, creepy watching you while you sleep. But then like, I don't know, reframing it this way, I was like, oh, that's interesting. Like, from a survival perspective, you're yeah. protecting them. Yeah. And, you know, mothers watch their babies sleep. And I was like, oh, that makes sense. Yeah. And food is, like, for survival, it's, it, for them, eating is just the reversal of pooping. Well, like, because they're, what, monosomal is what it was called? Yeah. They like, only have one hole through which they do it all. <laughs> it's gross. Yeah. It, the description of it was gross. But it was like, this is a body function. This is... Right. This is my private body function time. Yes. (laughs) And I was like, eating is something we, like, love to do in community. It's a communal thing. Yeah, yeah. like, it's sad eating a TV dinner at home. Like, that's how you describe, like, sad people is, like, eating dinner alone. So I just thought, like, even the things that are so basic to us can actually be different. I like having a feeling. That's fine. (laughs) So the end, the end got me with the feelings. (sighs) I'm gonna spoil the ending, so if you don't want to know, skip the ahead end, like two minutes. <laughs> so he sacrifices his own ability to ever be among human beings again. Even if you don't have lots of friends, and even if you don't have a spouse or whatever, like never seeing another person again is a huge sacrifice. Never seeing anything because yeah, any yeah, uh, Arid the planet that Rocky it's lives on black. is dark. Yeah. And in the end, he sees from light years and light years away that the sun is no longer dying and that Earth caught it in time. So the bittersweetness of knowing Mm -hmm. that I did help solve the problem, they are all there celebrating together that they're not Mm going to die and I'm here. Yeah, I liked his choice. And actually, he's not stuck there irrevocably like they the iridians fix his ship he could go back if he wants which i thought was even more impactful like he's making a choice to stay Mm -hmm. here with this you know alien race that he's befriended um yeah one of the i looked up like book club questions and one of the questions was like do you think he ever goes back no i don't think so i wasn't thinking so either um his body is already you know bearing the effects of living in this space and he's walking around with a cane, and he's in his 50s. Yes, by the time he got there, no one he ever knew before. Not that he knew that many people would all be gone. I mean, I'm 33, and I don't like sitting in a car for three hours. So if he's 50-something... My hips hurt. I've taken a, you know, multi-year interstellar trip. I'm going to guess no. (laughs) That is why Hannah would not do the interstellar trip. She'd be like, are we going to have to be in the car for, like, Uh -uh. hours? (laughs) How often do we stop to get out? That that part was satisfying, I think. Um, No, the cutesy part I was referring to was the fact that he's teaching a classroom full of little iridians. Oh, (laughs) yeah. Adorable. Yeah. (laughs) Because of their lifespan difference, they're like 30. (laughs) They live much longer. Definitely don't want to teach a classroom of 30-year-olds. No, no. That's why I like teaching, like, teenagers. They're not fully formed yet. When they make mistakes, it's okay. We're learning. Dealing with adults that make those same mistakes, um, um, you should know better. Get in together. I have no patience. (laughs) I love that. Well, you can tell me why other people hated this book if you'd like to. Yeah, it's always kind of weird when I didn't give it one star. Yeah. But I have to look up other one star reviews. So I found four that are pretty quick and pithy, because um, this is just for fun at this point, right? <laughs> Here you go. From Leah. Simply, this is not good science fiction. Okay. I... <laughs> It starts out with an interesting idea, but fails in execution with its bad writing and one-dimensional characters. There are so many elements to the story that are ridiculous. It reads like a textbook trying to teach science. Many plot points seem to exist only to explain science to the reader. That is definitely true. (laughs) I read a lot of science fiction... And this is not what I consider good science fiction. It reads more like popular fiction with a lot of science explanations for solving problems. I got halfway through and had to force myself to finish. I have a thing with having to finish books, but this came close to a DNF for me. Do not finish. I respect that opinion. I don't read a lot of science fiction, so I don't have that frame of reference. It definitely... I mean, he writes science fiction, but he writes popular science fiction. Yeah. It's not meant to be niche. I mean, this book won awards, like, it won the general fiction award. Right. It is meant to appeal to a larger demographic than niche science fiction. So yeah. I think that was done on purpose. Why sell a couple books when you can sell all the books? I know. I'm like, that may be true for science fiction fans, but, you know, he's a- uh, But make I'm trying to pay my money. Yeah. So I <laughs> don't think that's inherently bad, but- yeah. <laughs> Listen, if I can write a book that makes the New York Times bestseller lists and wins awards, I'm going to do it. Mm -hmm. Haven't figured it out yet, but one of these days. This is from Mike. This is probably the worst book I've ever read. The sci-fi story slash premise was fun and a cool idea. The writing was insultingly bad. The humor and prose in this book were exactly how I would have written it myself in seventh grade. (laughs) Read this book if you hate the English language but love reading. (laughs) just very pithy i was like okay mike Uh, well i wonder if you can get a german translation (laughs) christine finished but did not like this one at all the astronomically high rating on goodreads is the real work of fiction here (laughs) Uh oh sick burn this is from lauren andy has to fly his protagonist to space because they are too annoying for earth (laughs) that one cracked me up (laughs) You know what? He doesn't have a lot of friends. Uh, And he, you know, stays with the aliens, so. He's like, you know what? People didn't really get me back there. I'm going to stay here. Yeah. (laughs) Where they think I'm cool. We did spend 16 hours in his head and found him a bit annoying, so I understand. Although, to be fair, if someone spent 16 hours in my head, they'd probably also find me annoying. (laughs) There's got to be so much Murakami up there. (laughs) That and David Lynch. and Yeah, <laughs> and I imagine things are lost even up there, too. Oh, absolutely. Does it look like a hoarder house, do you think? Probably. Brandon and I have talked about how... You know the whole outer order, inner calm thing? Mm -hmm. Like, I have to have my workspace in order because Mm -hmm. my head is such a mess. Like, he has compartments in his head. Like, he does mental filing. So he can sit down in a little pile, literal pile of laundry and do his work, and I cannot. No. So we're like backwards in that way. So, yeah, it probably does look like a hoarder house up there. Yeah, I think I'm going to think about this more. Mm -hmm. I don't imagine my mind as a hoarder house, but it's definitely. You know I'm always thinking, like, way too many things at a time. I take medication to think less things. Fewer things. Pardon me. (laughs) (laughs) English teacher. Right. It's okay. And still, I'm just thinking too many things. I feel like my mind might look like a merry-go-round where, like, things are whizzing past you really quick. Yes. Okay. I think I have to have outer order, too. Like, I had to clean my whole house today because I worked from home because of the weather. I had to clean the whole house before I could sit down. Yes, I'm like that. I can't, I can't rest. Yeah. Or do work if there's a mess around me. I think mine, you know, those like big Ikea bookshelves that like all the cubes, Mm -hmm. you know, I think that's what my mind is with file boxes in each one. So it looks organized. But when you pull the file boxes out, most of them have like a vague kind of category, but it's pretty mishmashed in there you are a billy bookcase from ikea that has been badly managed <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but looks okay which is exactly what your husband told you he said you tricked me into thinking you were organized he did a couple years after we were married yes he did he was like i was under the impression that you had it together and then i lived with you and it's just no. nonsense i'm good at compartmentalizing but yeah everything kind of gets lost in those compartments sometimes <laughs> that's fun have you watched the show on netflix lock and key no i haven't it's based on a like teen graphic novel but there's these magic keys and one of them is called the head key and you can literally go into somebody's head and those scenes are always interesting because you know these different characters it looks very different i'm sure the scenic designers had a lot of fun with that yeah i've always thought that if i had a superpower what i would want is to be able to read minds but I, it's gotta be so messy, that ability. I, I, I don't think I want to know I, that. I'm yeah. sure I probably don't really want to. Mm-hmm. I just like knowing the gossip. I don't, and see, I'll learn things and be like, I wish I didn't know that, because now I, I know <laughs> it, and I can't, unknow it. Uh, uh, <laughs> how many times have I told you things that you were like, man? No, you're not, you're not bad about it. No, it's usually stuff by accident. Oh. Okay, well, I'm gonna think more about my... My inner mind and what it looks we're like. we going to go metacognate over here. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I guess that's all we have to say about this book. Right. Now we're just talking about our brains. What is our book next week? Hannah, because I saw <laughs> it. <laughs> tell, tell me, Hannah. Um, next week's book is O Caledonia by Elspeth Barker. Okay. I am dubious. <laughs> have you started it? Uh-huh. Oh, okay. All right. Well, we'll talk more about it <laughs> next week. Thank you for listening to You Might Hate This Book. Join us again next week for more discussion of the books we love. And the books we hate. You can help others find this podcast by leaving us a review and a five-star rating. And don't forget to hit subscribe. You can offer additional support and earn cool perks by joining our Patreon at patreon.com slash hate this book pod. Special thanks to Monique Workshop. See you next week.